Thanks for the shameless plug. <laughs> I, I don't have shame. When I was in high school, my mom was in a sorority. Not a college sorority. Um, in fact, I don't think any of the women in the sorority went to college. They might have, I don't, I don't know, it wasn't the gig. Um, they were a service organization and, um, and they did great things for our rural community in Northern California. They usually picked a family that needed help and they, they bought the kids shoes and they helped them with groceries and if somebody had lost a husband, they made sure that person had what they needed. Um, and they would get together on a Friday once a month um, to plan out what, who they were gonna help next. And my mom said that at those meetings, it took them 20 minutes to plan and then they would just drink wine and talk shit all night. <laughs> and my mom was a little bit older than most of the women, so consequently I was a little bit older than their kids. So I became the designated babysitter for the boys only. There was a girl at my high school, Melanie was her name, and she was hot. And <laughs> she had a retainer, and every time she talked, she clicked the retainer, and I was fascinated by her. <laughs> and uh, do you remember that? That click, 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 God. Anyways, um, so when I found out she babysat the girls, I thought, this is my chance, I got an in. So I went and found her at school and said, hey, why don't we babysit the kids together? And she saw right through that. She said, no, girls should be babysat by girls and boys should be babysat by boys and that was that. I thought that was a little sexist even at the time in the 80s, but the truth is I ran those boys ragged. We would always do the babysitting at this one woman's house. She had a really big house and they had this covered patio. And in the middle there was a ping pong table and her son had big wheels and tricycles and skateboards and scooters. And I didn't have that growing up. I, we lived in an orchard. There was no place to ride a big wheel. And I didn't have any brothers either. So when I babysat, I wanted to play. And I would run those kids into the ground. I would make them do laps around the picnic table on big wheels while I threw Nerf footballs at them and Nerf basketballs. And I tried to knock the kids off the scooters. And four-year-olds were like, this is the greatest day of my life. I would never tell them there was a bedtime. We would go and go and go, and then eventually I'd come around a corner, and there would be a kid asleep face down on the carpet. I'd scoop that kid up, put him on the couch, and go ride herd on the rest of the boys until eventually every single kid was in a coma. <laughs> Around midnight, women would come to get their kid, and I would have to carry the kids to the car, throw them in the back seat, and watch this half-drunk woman drive home. <clears throat> this went on for the first half of my freshman year of high school. In February, I came home from school one day, and my mom was sitting at the dining room table, and she had a butcher paper out, and she was cutting butcher paper into these squares. And I said, what's going on? And she turned, and I could see that she had been crying. And my mom said, Timmy's been kidnapped. Today, he was kidnapped today. Timmy White 
was the child of one of the sorority women. And my mom said, the whole sorority's coming over and we're gonna make posters. And as she said that, a woman came in my front door and she had a stack of eight by 10 glossy photos of Timmy White and his blonde hair. And, and you know, we didn't have computers and uh, desktop publishing back then. You had to make a poster if you wanted to make a poster. And so women came and they went into super action mom mode where we, we had an assembly line and I was taping photos down and other people were writing, looking for Timmy White, call this number, reward. And then Melanie came in my front door with her mom. And Melanie sat down next to me and we were making posters. And after a while, one of the moms said, hey, you should start hanging these posters up. And another mom said, go together. Now, she was worried about us being kidnapped, and I was like, sweet. <laughs> I grabbed my dad's staple gun, and we were walking around town stapling posters up. And the whole time we were doing this, we were talking. Now, we were only talking about the kidnapping and how horrible it was, but I was getting her to talk to me. We got by a city hall, and a news van pulled up, and a reporter leaned out the door and said, do you guys know Timmy White? Before I could answer, Melanie said, yes, I babysit him all the time. Now, I looked at her. She'd never babysat him. I was pretty sure she could not have picked him out of a lineup, except we'd been putting his photo up for the last hour. But she looked back at me with this look, and it's the first time I'd ever seen this look. And the look was, you let this go, and we might make out later. <laughs> So I let it go. I even added in, oh yeah, we babysit him. Timmy's just a regular kid. He likes to ride his big wheel. The next day at school, she came and sat with me at lunch. Kids started coming around and asking about Timmy White, and it was clear she had told them that she was his babysitter. She leaned over to me and she said, I'm coming to your house after school so we can go put up more posters. And I said, I'm down with that. <laughs> it was a very weird emotion, though, because kids were upset, and I was getting this weird high off of it. <laughs> she shows up at my house, and she had changed out of her school clothes. She was in brand new acid wash jeans. She had this really cute blouse on. She had a red scrunchie in her hair, and she was wearing red leg warmers. And she said to me, you should go change. I just had a t-shirt on, so I went to my room and I got a button-down shirt with a collar. Came out, we grabbed a stack of posters, and she said, let's go back by City Hall to hang up posters there. Now this didn't make any sense. We had hung posters up there the day before. But when we got to City Hall, I understood why. ABC, NBC, CBS, news trucks set up, all trying to get a shot of our courthouse or the city of Ukiah sign. And while they were setting up their shots, every time a reporter came out with a microphone, she made sure we were in the background hanging up posters. <laughs> this went on for two weeks. This media frenzy descended on our town 
And you never saw a kid alone anywhere. Kids who normally walked home from school got picked up. Basketball practices were canceled. Soccer practices were canceled. Everybody was terrified of this kidnapper that was out there. I, I was in a class, and a teacher actually asked me, did I think Timmy White was the kind of kid that would get in a stranger's car? And the entire class turned and looked at me, and the only answer I could give was, he's seven. He'd get in a car with anybody. And people looked at me like there was something wrong with me. But it was true, a seven-year-old, our, our town was in a state of shock. And then a miracle happened. Timmy White walked into the police station with an older boy, a boy my age exactly. And the police asked that older boy his name, and he said, I think my name is Stephen Stainer. Stephen had been kidnapped by a man seven years earlier, a man who lied to him and told him his parents didn't want him anymore and that he was his, he was his uncle. He even enrolled him in school just over the hill from my house under a phony name. And when this man brought Timmy White home, Stephen realized, holy shit, I was kidnapped. And he wasn't going to let the same thing happen to Timmy, so he escaped with him, took the bus to Ukiah, brought him into the police station. Now, if you thought there was a media sensation before, holy shit. Front page of the New York Times, front page of the Washington Post, 60 Minutes comes to town. It's out of hand. I mean, one kidnapped boy rescues another kidnapped boy. Things go crazy. But like everything in life, after a couple of weeks, the media leaves. And Melanie stops hanging out with me. And I'm a little bummed because I never got the promised makeout session. <laughs> but life kind of resumes. And Timmy White's family, they really try to get back to normal. They try to do normal things. He goes back to his school. And a couple of months go by, and it seems like the town has settled back in. You see kids alone at the park again. And then a TV crew shows up. And they're making a movie called, I Think My Name is Steven, and it all starts again. Timmy White's family has to leave. They can't stay. It's impossible because now everybody wants to talk to him about the kidnapping, and it's just terrible. So they decide to move to another state. And my mom's sorority decides to throw a going-away party for Timmy's mom, so I have one more time to babysit Timmy White. My mom says to me, do you think he could have a normal life? I don't know. I'm very, very interested to see, did this change him? The day before the going away party at school, Melanie finds me. She says, I hear you're babysitting the boys tonight. Can I come help? And I look her in the eye, and I know what she wants. It's probably not me. But I say yes anyways. And that night, I run those boys ragged like you could not believe. And I get every kid fast asleep, Timmy White on the couch with a blanket over him. And I take her hand, and I take her to the kitchen. And we make out 
till the first mom comes to pick up their kid. <laughs> There's a postscript to this. I hadn't talked to her since high school, and last year she found me on Facebook. She sent a three-word instant message. Are you married? I sent a single word answer, yes. And immediately she sent a two word answer to that. How married? Thank you. <laughs>